What happens, and I think this is important to say here as well, is that as Christians, oftentimes we want to help people. We say, well, I want to help you, so you need me to co-sign so you can get this car? Okay. But you don't help people when you violate God's words, my friends. So when God's word says, don't become the guarantee for someone else's debt, you know what you should do? Not become the guarantee for someone else's debt. It's not Christianly to be anti-biblical in the way that you make decisions. Helping other people is part of being like Jesus, but in offering assistance, we also want to be wise. All of God's word needs to be considered for every decision. In today's message, Pastor Daniel will remind us that we can't help someone fully if we're ignoring something God's commanded. The wisdom we'll glean from the Proverbs today will reinforce this, help us see how integrity and morality is just what this world needs to see. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Proverbs chapter 22 with part two of his message, What Not to Do. For the Lord will plead their cause and plunder the soul of those who plunder them. Now, this shows you the difference between living purely in this world, but realizing that this world is under the authority of a greater king. Because although you might be able to get away with it in the here and now, ultimately your life will be weighed and God, who is the judge, will plead the cause of those who've been oppressed by you. So this reminds us that we need to learn how to take the bigger view other than just this is expedient to get me where I want to go right now. You and I need to make sure that we take the long view and we realize that God is a God of justice and God fights on behalf of those who are oppressed, those who are being pushed down by whatever means possible. And so the Lord is the great champion of the defenseless. Now, what's so powerful about this is, of course, we see this in the person and work of Jesus. Do you realize that against sin and death, all of us are defenseless? We were born into this world with a sin nature. Not that we just commit sins, but our nature is left to its own devices. We'll always lean towards rebellion against God. And in our defenselessness, God sent his own son, Jesus, to die on a cross. So Jesus is the great advocate for each one of us. He pled our case in his own body at the cross. And then he invites all of us to do likewise in this world. So brothers and sisters, listen. If you are a follower of Jesus, listen. Never, never let oppression, taking advantage of vulnerable people, ever let that be a part of your life. And when you see it happening, we should learn how to be advocates for the defenseless. Plead the cause of those who are vulnerable. And what I do want to say right now, and I think is important, is if you're a Christian and if you think about these type of things purely in political terms, I mean 21st century American political terms, you're completely missing your God-given place in the family of God. 
Because what politics has done today is it's demeaned this stuff to a Democrat-Republican thing. This has nothing to do with Democrats or Republicans or America. This has everything to do with Jesus, the cross, the empty tomb, and what life is supposed to look like because salt and light live in this world. Can I get an amen? But you see how subtle the enemy is because what he does is he takes something so important to God, something that where God will fight for the defenseless, and then what he does is he wraps it up into American politics, which has nothing to do with Jesus, never did. It has to do with power. That's what it has to do with. Even people, like I'm not knocking politicians. We should pray for our political leaders always. But not one day, not one day, has America been about Jesus in totality? And don't get me wrong. I realize that we were founded on Judeo-Christian values. But being founded on the values is not being founded on the cross. And so praise God for our foundation. But what they do is that you take these issues of how do we treat people who are vulnerable and you make it political. And all of a sudden people who are followers of Jesus can't think biblically. They get passionate blindly political and they completely lose their saltiness and listen a lot of us are there now if you've been across us for a while you know i get on this a bunch because if i'm a good pastor i have to get at this with you all i have to i know you guys are sending emails in you just leave the politics out of church no politics is how people are organized i'm not telling you what to vote for or how to vote i'm telling you how to think biblically that's my job how to think about jesus And then you bring Jesus into your politics and then you vote and you value what you value. But my job is when we start getting our politics in front of Jesus, then I got to say, hey, ho, and the day that I stop doing that is the day you need to find a better church. Because too many churches today, you know what they do? They say, you keep your politics in front of Jesus, but I'll do it too. So you just keep coming. But we need to learn how to put Jesus first. And because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, because of the empty tomb, then how shall we now live? And here we learn that when the poor and the afflicted are oppressed because of their vulnerability, that God fights for them. And if God fights for them and we are the body of Christ, then guess what we should be doing? Fighting for them. Our warfare is not with the ways of the world, but it's also not saying, hey, listen, who cares, man? I just want my taxes lowered. So we need to make sure that we are not involved in oppression of any sort. Now, in verses 24 and 25, look what it says next. It says, make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. I want to say it this way. Don't choose bad mentors. Don't choose bad mentors. The idea here is that all of us are conformed to be like the people that we look up to. The people who have strong influence on our lives. All of us are easily impressionable. And so what it says here is that make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man, don't go lest you learn his ways. Now, the writer here is using the idea of someone who is hot tempered or somebody who is easily angered, but we can expand that to almost any area. 
that you need to make sure that you allow people to influence your life who you actually want to be like them. Because the problem is, is when somebody who gets angered easily is your mentor, then you will learn their ways, and notice what it says, and set a snare for your soul. Now, a snare, of course, as a musician, I think of a snare, I think of the snare drum. Right? You know, the, the one that the drummer hits, it's got that high-pitched sound, especially if they hit the rim shot, it gets a little bit more. Those of you who don't like the noise of the drums, it's normally the snare drum that gets you. Right? But a snare was literally a trap. Right? It was a trap that a hunter would set, that the animal of prey would go into, and the snare would be tripped, and the animal would be caught. And so the idea here is that if you choose a bad mentor then you will learn their ways and begun take on their ways and then you'll get caught. Things will go wrong. Now, at the same time, what I also want to say is this. Not only should you not choose bad mentors, but are you being a good mentor? Because think about it. All of us influence other people. All of us have areas of influence that which we speak into people's lives. What kind of a mentor are you? Moms and dads, you realize that your kids are watching you. Every day. Those little ears and those little eyes, they see it all. And they're learning how life's meant to be lived watching you. Where you work, all of you are in influence on other people. Within the body of Christ. We all influence other people. You see this happen with when gossip happens whether in school or at work or wherever, right? All of a sudden says, hey, did you hear so-and-so? And then before you know it, you're thinking about it and you see that person like, oh, so-and-so. And then you see someone, hey, did you know so-and-so? And before you know it, that stuff's running around, whether it's true or not, right? So what kind of a influence are you in this world? See, we have to make sure that we are choosing good mentors and that we are being good mentors. Now, of course, anger is not in short supply in our day and age, is it? Like the prevailing way of our land today is if you are not enraged, you are not paying attention, right? But the problem with anger is, is that Jesus died on a cross. Now, there is righteous indignation. You all know the Bible says, be angry and do not sin. But what I will tell you, is I've never heard someone quote that verse when they're angry and then not be in sinful anger. Every time, well, my Bible says, be angry and do not sin. I'm like, well, you are frothing at the mouth, my friends. But I am not sitting. I am righteously indignant. I'm like, no, you're losing it right now. So listen, there is a place for righteous indignation. If when injustice is happening, if it doesn't bother us and make us angry, that's what, but what do you do with that anger? Do you yell at people? Do you get mad at them? Do you give them, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Mm. I'm going to go on Facebook and I'm going to say, do you know what just happened? I show them. This is our culture. It's the way we live. But listen, that's, it's a sin. It's sin. Your anger caused Jesus to die on a cross and mine too. Now listen, I'm all Italian. So it's like, it's not like I'm a dispassionate person, you know? So like, I'm not preaching down on anybody here. It's like, I'm like, I grew up in a family where if you believed it, you need to say it loud enough that the whole neighborhood heard it. You know what I mean? If someone disagrees, you you know, and like I grew up that way. But what you realize, of course, it says this in Proverbs 14, verse 29. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. Wow. Are you slow to wrath? 
Or are you, man, you're on like a hairpin trigger, man. That's something God wants to work on. Because that stuff gets pushed around. You rub off on other people. So don't choose bad mentors. And listen, you need to make sure in your life you are choosing people who when their lives are weighed in the balances by the Almighty, they're not found wanting. You know, we live in a day and age where, of course, people find career mentors, people who have attained to the goals that they have, but oftentimes the ends don't justify the means to get there. You know, when the king of Babylon, Belshazzar, says he was weighed in the balances and found wanting, that man was more wealthy than the wealthiest people alive today by comparison. So we got to be careful who we choose to be our mentors, lest you learn their ways and you get a snare set for your soul. These are things not to do, huh? See how practical this stuff is? The Bible's so awesome this way. See, it's like, this was written, what, 3,000 years ago? Still so practical today. Right where we live today. Let's be honest. How many of us have had a mentor who showed us the wrong things? A lot of us. Someone influences us in the wrong way. Now, in verse 26 and 27, Proverbs 22, it says this. Do not be one of those who shakes hands in a pledge, one of those who is surety for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should he take away your bed from under you? Now, I like to say it this way. Don't be short-sighted. Don't be short-sighted. See, the picture here is of becoming security for somebody else's debt. We would use the phrase today, co-signing, right? Someone has a debt, you co-sign for their debt. So back in the day, it was called being a pledge or being surety for a debt, a guarantee upon a debt. Now, what's interesting is this shows up in Proverbs in a number of different places. So if you read Proverbs even a little bit, what you keep finding over and over again is it says, wisdom says do not become surety or the guarantee for someone else's debt. Why? Because if they can't pay, why should you lose your furniture, your bed? Because that's what happens. When you co-sign with somebody on something, right? If they can't pay, then you're responsible. And if you can't pay, then they come and they take away your stuff. And the Bible says that's not wise. Now, of course, if you're married, of course, then you co-sign on that stuff together. Your life is one flesh, and so you do that stuff together. But in every other case, you don't do it. Now, I like to say that this is being short-sighted because the problem with indebtedness, and and in a lot of ways it's important because we live in in a debt-laden society, that the problem with debt is that everyone's a slave to that debt until it's eradicated. Now, of course, you can argue the merits of equitable debt and non-equitable debt and this thing and that thing. You know what I mean? And that's a discussion that could be had, and it would take us a long time to get into where that lands today. But the thing is, is, If you become the guarantee for somebody else's debts, then you become responsible if they can't pay. And you have more than enough to be responsible for in your own life. And God's design is that each person, you can come and help someone, but you don't become their guarantee. You don't get on the hook with them. And so Proverbs chapter 11, verse 15 says it this way. He who is surety for a stranger will suffer. But one who hates being surety is secure. Now, 
Unfortunately, this is all too common today that somebody co-signs with somebody. Maybe it's their student loan debt or this thing or a car debt. And then before you know it, they're like, I lost my house because someone said they couldn't pay their bills. They said they're going to pay bills. So the idea is, is that when you're short-sighted, you think everything's going to work out the way you think it's going to work out. Right? But someone who's not short-sighted thinks, maybe my assumptions are not correct. Maybe what I think's going to happen isn't going to happen. Because I'm not God. And listen, can I just encourage you all, with your planning for your future, someone needs to say, maybe my assumption is incorrect. Maybe my assumption is, maybe what I think is going to happen isn't going to happen. Because all of us write a fairy tale for the future, right? Isn't it true? I mean, and praise God, we're so hopeful. But really what this is a reminder is that we all need to be realistic, that sometimes when you co-sign with someone on their debt, they go off the deep end. And then you lose what's yours. So what happens, and I think this is important to say here as well, is that as Christians, oftentimes we want to help people. We say, well, I want to help you. So you need me to co-sign so you can get this car. Okay. But you don't help people when you violate God's words, my friends. So when God's word says, don't become... The guarantee for someone else's debt, you know what you should do? Not become the guarantee for someone else's debt. It's not Christianly to be anti-biblical in the way that you make decisions. So I know it's a hard thing, and I know there's people that you love, and people you want to help, and all this stuff, but you want to keep yourself lined up with God's wisdom. Because we need to take the long view, and we need to remember that if you become the guarantee for somebody else's debt and then that person defaults on that debt, they will come and take something as necessary as your bed, the place that you sleep, which is not be good. Now you have multiple destitute people. Now, from there, in verse 28, do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. Now, I want to say this this way. Don't lack integrity. Don't lack integrity. So the idea here is don't remove the ancient landmarks. Now, long before they had plot maps and all these things with boundary markers and pins to show you where your property line is, back in the day, there were just rock markers. There'd be this little rock say, that's the end of my property line, right? But you could imagine that someone would say, well, listen, if I just move this little rock one inch every month, I'll get a foot a year, and I got me some extra land, right? It lacks integrity. And so what goes on is the temptation is real. Derek Kidner, the Bible commentator, said it this way, no law will protect people when integrity is absent. So the idea of moving the ancient landmark, moving the boundaries, which your fathers have said, is it shows a lack of integrity. But the problem is, is that because we live in a world that is so devoid of integrity, oftentimes within the people of God, we have a tendency, well, well listen, everyone does it. As if that's like a great justification for how we live. Well, everyone does it, right? I realize that the ways of God are narrow and difficult and few find it but it leads to life see god has called us to enter by that narrow gate it's a difficult way sure you can cut a million corners and if everyone's doing it that doesn't make it right that's just what everyone's doing and so 
our integrity comes from our faith in the Lord and our knowing that our lives are lived as unto the Lord for his glory. And he, my friends, gets glory from us making good decisions. So we make sure that what we do is always full of integrity, never could be questioned in regards to the ethics in which we live. Not because we want to be known as the goody two-shoes, but because we live before the true and living God who loved us and sent his son to die for us. Now, is there any part of your life right now that is lacking integrity? You know why people make decisions that lack integrity? Because we don't trust God. We think, if I do this the right way, then maybe I won't get the things that I'm hoping for. As if God doesn't want to bless you. As if God doesn't want to do a work. And so we cut these corners. You have to remember for the children of Israel, God had promised them this land. You're with us at our midweek service. We've been studying the book of Joshua. And we're seeing that God had promised the children of Israel the promised land. And now they're in the promised land and they're receiving all of it. But the thing is is that we often doubt. And so for someone to move their boundary marker is to say that God didn't take care of me. That's what it says. It says what God has, the lot that God has given to me is unacceptable. Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 14. Moses said it this way. You shall not remove your neighbor's landmark, which the men of old have set in your inheritance, which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God has given you to possess. So you and I, If we lack integrity, it's because we do not trust that God is going to do what God said he would do. That God will provide in the right ways. That God will give us more than what we need. So what we do is we say, well, I don't know if God's going to, so I'm going to take matters in my own hands. And I believe that for all of us, all of us lack integrity in some ways. And my friends, and that's why we believe in Jesus. You needed a savior because you have never fully walked your talk. Isn't it true? But because that's the case, it doesn't mean that we should not seek to be people who walk our talk. See, that's the thing. We, we trust in God's grace. And I'm so grateful. I mean, man, I needed salvation more than all you put together. Right? I need God's salvation as much today as on the day that I got saved. Right? But when you know what to do and you do it not, that's sin. So where is your life lacking integrity right now? Is there something, when I say something like, don't lack integrity, where right away the Spirit of God taps on your shoulder and says, right there. I think we all have those things, don't we? Because you're God's child. And because God loves you, he'll chasten you. What that means is that because the Spirit of God dwells within you, God loves you enough to tap you on the shoulder of your heart and say, hey, 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 oh, don't do that. That's not who we are in my family. Jesus is real. Integrity is a big thing that sets followers of Jesus apart from the world. When we're able to display morality in an unjust public setting, people will notice. Pastor Daniel today stressed the importance of walking in integrity, even when we notice things aren't right. Even when it makes us angry, we're not to sin. We were also reminded that in order to help others in the best way, we need to always follow God's Word. 
Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Today's message wrapped up Pastor Daniel's vice versa study in Proverbs. We were given great pearls of wisdom to consider and apply to our everyday lives from this book. We're encouraged not to complicate it. The words we read were simple and direct and offer a change to our attitudes, relationships, and purpose in life. With all of this, we learned as well to keep focused on our Maker and let His Word forever guide us. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.